Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park successful why is tony khan running his promotion better than vince mcmahon and bruce pritchard are running monday night and friday night long term booking Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 473. I'm JD from New York. Welcome to Off the Scripts inside the OTS venue. Downstairs, we drink in my mother's basement, man. CM Punk, the man himself, CM Punk, whether you like him or not, CM Punk is on his way back to AEW. Why is CM Punk on his way back to AEW? We hope to dive into that subject today on Off The Script. Is it Tony Khan wanting, needing, desiring CM Punk back? Is it Warner Media? Is it Warner Brothers Discovery? Who wants CM Punk back? And Tony Khan's got no choice. Where does this leave the elite? Do they want to work with CM Punk? Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks have not renegotiated as of right now. New AEW contracts. Are they planning on walking away? Because CM Punk is on his way back to AEW. Honestly, you don't have to like each other. I don't like anybody. I don't like anybody especially in the community, man. But that doesn't mean we can't all work together for the common good, right? That doesn't mean CM Punk and the Elite can't work together. Make some money. You don't have to be friends. And how else are you going to sell out Wembley Stadium and fill that building to as much capacity as you possibly can? What are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? You're going to give me the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers again? Give me a break. It needs to be FTR and CM Punk versus Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And AEW needs to do business. All parties need to do business. And this needs to be the biggest storyline. It could potentially be the biggest storyline in all of professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, pull up a seat. 
order a drink off the menu, and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to Off The Scripts, inside my mother's basement. crazy man we got this report today and i'm excited about it to be perfectly honest with you man i'm i'm excited about it and i've been wanting cm punk back on aew television for a very long time and i was hoping that everybody would potentially do business and we may be on the verge of that actually happening this summer in what will probably be coined as the Summer of Punk 3.0 by the internet wrestling community. I'm excited about it, and I know it's going to be a very, very subjective topic. There are people that don't want CM Punk back for whatever reason, man. You have every right to feel how you want about CM Punk. You don't have to want him back on television, but ultimately it's not up to you. It's about what Warner Brothers Discovery wants. It's what Tony Khan wants and needs. And it's what's for the best of AEW. Because that's what it really boils down to. No matter who you are. Punk, Matt, Nick, Kenny, Adam Page, Tony Khan, Warner Brothers, AEW as a company. It's about what is best for AEW. And we're going to go over that, man. The symbolism of All In, where it's taking place at Wembley, in London, England, and everything that's going to be transpiring leading into that, man. I'm very excited about what's happening in AEW right now. And this is exactly the shot in the arm that they need. This is the adrenaline shot that they need. Because even after starting off 2023 hot, they've kind of fallen into this this slump where things aren't really that hot at the moment. Even though the television's fine, and the television has been largely very good, there's just really nothing to sink your teeth into. There's no long-term vision. This is what's going to give AEW that long-term vision and map out months of television where it's going to be the most important year in AEW history. So we're going to talk about all the rumors and all the news that came out today. It's going to be a big show And I appreciate you guys joining me right here on the podcast, man. Thank you so much for joining me. It is April 13th, 2023. This is episode 473 on your Thursday afternoons. Thank you so very much for joining me wherever you may be on this Thursday afternoon. Happy hour. Happy hour. Follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Very important you do so. It's going to be a big, big, big next couple of weeks. You're going to want to be a part of the podcast and the YouTube channel. So hit that subscribe button down below and turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys hit those thumbs up as well, man. I would greatly appreciate if you do. We got 357 likes right now, right at the jump. And I would love if we could get as close to 1,000 as possible tonight's on OTS. Super Chats are yours. They are open. Never an obligation. Always, always appreciated. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show as always. 
Memberships are always open, always accepting new channel members, new applicants to the VIP club right here on OTS. If you missed any of the content on the channel, man, there is plenty of it. Dating back to last weekend, Easter Sunday, Monday Night Raw. We were live last night for AEW Dynamite, which was a kind of blah, ho-hum show. But uh, it was a very entertaining stream, to say the least, last night with Jesse and I. So go check that stuff out all on the homepage if you want any more content on the channel. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends once again. My great friends over at Z-Biotics. Make sure you guys go check out Z-Biotics at zbiotics.com slash scripts or use code SCRIPT at checkout to save 15% off. We will talk about my great friends over at Z-Biotics a little bit later on in the show, but they are once again sponsoring the podcast right here tonight for episode 473 of Off the Scripts. Yes, no rubber chicken involved tonight. Jesse's rubber chicken. Jesse's going to be choking his chicken uh, tonight during Ring of Honor. Because that's apparently what he does on Thursday nights while uh, the uh, low populace is watching what really could be labeled as AEW Dark 2.0. No thank you. No thank you. We're going to start, man, with the man himself. We're going to start with CM Punk right at the top. We are going to start with Punk and everything that we now know about CM Punk, this is coming directly from Fightful Select today. Punk's uh, return to AEW, CM Punk's return to AEW, tentatively planned for this summer. With obviously in the city, which we all knew was going to be a big, big destination point for AEW this summer. They just announced a dynamite show on June 21. In Chicago at the Wind Trust Arena. So keep an eye out for that date. It was reported yesterday that CM Punk has expressed coming back to AEW, wanting to come back to AEW, and a willingness to work with Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and Adam Hangman Page. Now, Anything, listen, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. All of this could eventually fall through the fucking cracks for all we know. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing is set in stone. And the situation was very real. And this is a work in progress. You got a lot of fragile egos here. And one small maneuver. And all of this could fall through the fucking ice cracks. And then you'll never see it again. So Fightful Select had already, they stated, been getting hints after the April 12th report, which was yesterday, that Punk wanted to come back and work with AEW. The wheels were already in motion at that point. And well before the the report of April 12th, the wheels were already in motion. I think a lot of us in the community were really predicting that Punk would be back one way or another, but we were kind of left in the dark. And a lot of people were kind of abandoning even that notion after his last Instagram story meltdown where he called John Moxley out and he called Dave Meltzer a liar and Chris Jericho a liar and a geek or a, uh, a shill or whatever he called him, a stooge. 
So the wheels were already in motion. A lot of people coming out of that Instagram story and that meltdown on social media by CM Punk, a lot of people thought that that was going to be the thing that kind of broke the entire situation down and Punk might have ruined his chances about making a return to AEW. Fightful was told shortly before the announcement for the Chicago AEW Dynamite episode at the Wintrust Arena on June 21st that it would be interesting and it would be a date and a venue to look out for for Dynamite. Now, they've learned that since then, it's now April 13th, the working plan has been for CM Punk to return at that show or at least around that show. Now, that is going to be dangerously close to the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. The Forbidden Door pay-per-view, I believe, is going to be that same week at the end of the month. And I don't know what the plans are for Tony Khan and what he's got planned for Forbidden Door. I would assume that they would want Punk back before the Forbidden Door. Now, nobody knows what his schedule is. I believe, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, he may be filming a TV show at this point in time, which is why... They can't bring him back immediately. Now, even if he was able to come back, I don't know if AEW would probably, I don't know if AEW would bring him back at all. I'm going to say probably not at that point right now because the people that you want him involved with are not going to be available because they're involved with something else going on right now with the Blackpool Combat Club. So if you bring Sam Punk back, what is he going to do? You bring him back, you immediately want to throw him into that fire with the elite, Matt, Matt, Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega, and you want to get that storyline started and take whatever happened at all out and make as much of it as you can. So I don't know what's going on with, with CM Punk right now and, and what his schedule is. If he's free, I would assume that he would return before this June 21st show because Tony Khan may want to put him on the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, and as you guys know, Punk broke his foot on the way to the Forbidden Door pay-per-view last year where he was supposed to defend the AEW World Championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi. That never took place. That match went to John Moxley, and I think Punk would want to be a part of that show. I think Warner would want Punk to be a part of that show. I think Tony Khan would want to be a part of that show. I know Punk was probably devastated that he missed that show. I mean, he he wanted to be there very much so. So I, I would assume that's going to be even more now the case this year than it was last year. It's gonna so it's gonna, it's going to be depending on CM Punk's schedule for sure. So around that date or on June twenty first of that Dynamite show at the Wintrust Arena, there were also pitches of announcing it well ahead of time even around the Warner upfronts, which are May 17th. Now, I don't know how you guys feel about it, and I don't know uh, what the plan is or the mindset is for AEW. You know, th- this is not, you know, the situation that it was when he first came in two years ago. I, I would absolutely announce this ahead of time. I would announce that Punk is coming back, CM Punk is going to be on Dynamite, Give people that advertisement. Give people something to sink their teeth into and build the anticipation of that show. You are not going to get what you need out of AEW and out of this situation if you just randomly throw him on a show with no prior announcement. I would absolutely, this is just me speaking, 
Uh, this is what I would do. I would absolutely announce him well ahead of time. Hey, June 21 or whichever date you want him to come back on, whether it's June 21, a week before that, two weeks before that, CM Punk is returning to AEW. He's going to be on this Dynamite. Tune in to see what he has to say. It's going to be a very interesting situation. You can't build what you need to build if you just throw him out there and you drop clues like you did very, very, very upfront clues without actually mentioning his name. We, we don't need to do that. We've been there, done that. We all know Punk is a part of the company. We all know that CM Punk wants back in. We all know that AEW is going to be better off with CM Punk back in it. Just announce him and give us what we want. Just announce him and build the anticipation. Pop a big rating. Get everybody talking about it on social media. Build that hype for the show. You can't make any money off of anything if it's unadvertised. So that's where I would go with that. The Warner upfronts are May 17th. You know, one question that I have is, and this is a very viable question, how much of this, I know Tony Khan wants AEW to have CM Punk back. Now, I know I know Tony Khan wants to bring Punk back. I know he wants all this to be water under the bridge. There, 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 there needs to be a lot of growth in this situation, man. Two things that I'm wondering about. One, the growth. Have, has, has everybody grown better? Because of this situation. Have they moved on? Have they matured? Have their egos been softened a bit? Have they sat with their feelings? Is everybody, is everybody going to be uh, a bunch of big boys now instead of toddlers in diapers coming out of the all-out media scrum? Is Tony Khan going to finally put his foot down with situations that happen like this again in the future? Is he going to be a boss and less of a friend? These are legitimate questions that I have. I know Tony Khan wants CM Punk back. He needs CM Punk. He needs CM Punk for more reasons than you care to admit. Because they're in a contract negotiation year with Warner Media, And the reason why, you know, they were in line for a mega, mega contract extension with Warner Media is because they had somebody like CM Punk as the number one guy in their company. Tony Khan did the unthinkable and got the biggest free agent in the business who was retired for all intents and purposes for seven years to get back into pro wrestling and him land in AEW. Warner was over the moon about everything AEW. They would bend over backwards to give Tony Khan what he wanted because Tony Khan was building an absolutely mega roster. CM Punk, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, all debuting with AEW within weeks of each other. That's unprecedented. I mean, I don't know how you're a TV network and you look at those names and then not think that Tony Khan is doing serious business here or isn't serious about taking AEW to the next level. I mean, I don't think Warner Media expected CM Punk to blow up the way that he did it all out. So my question is, I know, I know Tony Khan wants CM Punk back. How much of it is Warner Media telling Tony Khan, hey, we want you here. We want to keep you on the network. We want CM Punk back in AEW, and we'll give you what you need. How much of it is Warner Media? How much of Warner Media does it really, how much of that weighs on the decision here? How much of it is coming from Warner Media to get CM Punk back into AEW? It may be all of Warner Media. But it looks like things are definitely being worked out to at least make this a possibility. 
But I know all parties involved want him back. But more so, it may be something that Tony Khan can't really ignore, even though he did possibly at one point have reservations about bringing him back because of how Kenny and Matt and Nick Jackson felt. You know, it may all be on the back of Warner Media, and they may be the ones who are pushing Tony Khan to make this decision to bring him back. Tony Khan's a businessman. At the end of the day, he's got to keep the best interests of AEW at heart, and the best interests of AEW are going to revolve around CM Punk. So Fightful then says, those that we've spoken to confirm that CM Punk has been hoping to work with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, but they've heard of no contact between the two sides. Now, the last that Fightful heard, the elite were not keen on the possibility of working with him. AEW sources indicated that Punk had been trying to push for a meeting between everyone for quite some time, but they haven't heard if any progress has been made in regards to getting everybody around at the same time to talk out their grievances. Now, it's worth noting that the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are in the middle of negotiating new contracts with AEW. I see a lot of bullshit floating around in the YouTube community, a lot of creators making clickbait videos and putting clickbait titles for their videos about Kenny Omega jumping ship to AEW. WWE is going to steal Kenny Omega away from AEW. I don't think that's going to happen. Tony Khan is not going to allow that to happen. And Warner Media is not going to allow that to happen. I mean, that would be a terrible... I mean, that's a whole different fucking story in itself. If Kenny Omega went to WWE in this year, out of all years... What a fucking embarrassing blow it would be for AEW. In a year where they're in contract negotiations with Warner Media, in a year where he just got back and he's putting on those performances that we remember before he got hurt, he's back to being tip-top Kenny Omega. Same thing goes for the Young Bucks, you know? In a year where they have a video game about to come out and this is Kenny Omega's baby This is his pride and joy. He poured a lot of his heart and soul into this video game. For for him to jump ship and and then the game, which is not even close to being released yet, according to sources, it's done, but then it's not done. There's publishing issues and whatever else is going on with it. In a year where the game is supposed to come out, he jumps ship to WWE? That's not a good look at all for Omega or... AEW, and it may be a blow that is going to take a very long time to bounce back from. But we really don't know. We don't know what Kenny Omega is thinking. We don't know what Matt and Nick Jackson are thinking. If they wanted to jump to WWE, this would be the time to do so. How much longer do you think Kenny Omega is going to be around working the style that he works? Which is, I don't want to say completely different from New Japan, But he's worked a little bit of a reduced schedule here in AEW. He's worked a lighter schedule in AEW. He hasn't been putting on those types of... I mean, he's not going out there wrestling Okada every single fucking night for 50 minutes. So he's banged up. He was banged up. He was away for nine months. And he gave himself a little bit more longevity in getting back to good health and getting those injuries taken care of and working the tag team matches when all the fans wanted was the cleaner, Kenny Omega back. They wanted main event, Kenny Omega back. 
in AEW. He he did what he did to prolong his career because how long do you think he's going to be able to keep doing what he's doing? If he wanted to jump to WWE, now would be the year. Is it a bucket list thing for Kenny Omega? I don't know. It may be. Everybody wants to be at WrestleMania. Everybody wants to main event the WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes going over there, you know, pretty much was the smoke signals from his end to AEW's end. Hey, it's not that bad over here. But who knows what's going on now compared to when Cody first got there. Yeah, it was a bed of roses when he got there. They laid out the red carpet for him. They gave him the WrestleMania treatments. He was automatically the number one babyface in the entire company. People early on were talking about him taking down Roman Reigns. I mean, it all depended on how they treated Cody Rhodes. You could have seen smoke signals from Cody to AEW. Hey, it's not that bad over here. Stop reading social media. I'm being treated well, and it's going to be the same for you guys. Now it's a completely different story. If this was last year, I could see Kenny Omega maybe swaying in the wind towards WWE side. Now, I I don't look at that as a big possibility. Is it a possibility? Sure, it's always a possibility. Because even though WWE has a reported hiring freeze, you don't think for a fucking single solitary second that Triple H would be ready, willing, and fucking armed with Fort Knox to steal away Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks from Tony Khan. That would be the death blow that Triple H has been salivating over for many, many, many years now. That is it. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He wants that. He'd make it happen. But it all depends on how they feel now looking at the WWE currently. They just got sold to Endeavor. 51% of the company is now owned by Endeavor. They're merging WWE and UFC. There are not going to be many major hires. In fact, it's going to be the opposite. I read something yesterday on social media that WWE could be looking to cut 50 to 100 million in budget. Does that pertain to talent like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks? Are they going to be excluded from something like that? I don't know. But they passed on Jay White. They passed on Jay White and God knows who else that they wanted to bring on in. And Vince McMahon is back. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Vince McMahon is also back in the company. So with the uncertainty of a sale, which right now isn't really official official, it's been announced, but it's not really completed, then you got Vince McMahon poking his nose in creative more so now than he was in January, 
in February and in March. He took over Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania and made it a complete embarrassment. So if you're the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, why would you even entertain that with all this murkiness? That's a murky fucking body of water over there in WWE, man. I don't know if I'm going to go over there and uh, give my trust to that current administration right now when they can't even tell the truth to the fucking fans watching the show. It's been lie after lie after lie after lie after lie, and Triple H has been nothing but a puppet on strings needing to lie to the audience, and then when it gets back to us, everything that Triple H has stated on TV or everything that Triple H has stated in an interview doesn't really rack up as the truth. Why would they want to go over there? They cannot be trusted right now. I'll tell you who can be trusted. Tony Khan. Tony Khan's going to do right by those guys. They are the heart and soul of AEW. So working with CM Punk compared to going over to WWE and potentially getting fucking embarrassed and being treated like shit doesn't look that, that bad of a deal. It's not so bad of a situation if you're looking at it from both sides. So I want to throw that out there. But we don't know what Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are feeling. Are they against CM Punk coming back in AEW? Kenny Omega has not said anything about a current contract negotiation. All we know, we don't have any news on it. All we know is that Kenny Omega and the contract that he currently has had dates and months added to it because of the time out with injury. His contract should have been up already. But Tony Khan added all those dates that he missed because of injury onto his contract, and now his contract is going to bleed into November. We don't know what Kenny Omega's feeling or where his mind is at. Does he want out? Does he not want to work with CM Punk at all? I don't really take Kenny Omega to be that type of petty individual. I don't. Kenny Omega loves pro wrestling. Kenny Omega loves AEW. He loves what he does. Kenny Omega, to me, I don't know him personally, obviously, he does not look, on the surface, he does not look like a, like a confrontational type of individual. He doesn't look like somebody that's going to hold a grudge. Kenny Omega seems like the type of guy that is going to let his emotions die down and really want to talk things out. That's the way I see Kenny Omega. Matt and Nick Jackson, I don't know. They may be a little bit more volatile than Kenny Omega is, but they all are in the same camp together, so they probably all have the same ideologies and the same mentality uh, as the others do. So I, I don't know what they plan on doing, but if there is any hesitation about signing with AEW, CM Punk could be looked at as the reason why they don't come back. But I don't think it's going to reach that point. I mean, it's been how long now? Since September? I, I mean, th- this is this is going on way, way too long. No, nobody's saying that you need to be friends, honestly. Nobody's saying that you need to be fucking going out after the shows and sharing drinks and sharing dinner and fucking sharing stories from the road and, you know, talking about each other's families and introducing your kids to CM Punk and fucking, you know, chit-chatting about personal things and whatever. Nobody needs to be doing that here at all. You work together, you make money, you do what is best for the company, and you go about your day. Simple. That's what I think everybody really wants to come out of this. But we haven't really heard anything about where Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are at as far as contracts, and we won't. Fightful says that they're in the middle of negotiating new contracts. I would hope so. I would hope so. Tony Khan absolutely 
should already be sitting down asking uh, both parties, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, what it needs to be done. What needs to be done? What, what is it going to take to get you guys signed here? I want to keep you. Uh, you're going to retire here, and, and that's what we're going to do. So it, it's going to be a very, very interesting summer, not just because of where Punk is going to land and how he's going to be reintroduced to the AW audience, but on the opposite side, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, where is their mindset at and how long is it going to take to nail them down to an AEW contract? Now, CM Punk, apparently there was a planned meeting also with Punk and Chris Jericho, who have had numerous issues in the past, to see if the two working together is a possibility. Chris Jericho loves AEW. I don't know why Chris Jericho would let this thing fester and fester and fester. I don't understand it. At the end of the day, again, it's going to be up to Warner Media and it's going to be up to Tony Khan. I, I said this weeks ago, Kenny Omega can have a problem. They're all under contract right now, at least till November. Jericho re-upped for another five years. He's there for the long haul. So did John Moxley. It's not up to them. They don't run the company. Jericho doesn't have any say on business matters here. John Moxley doesn't have any say on business matters here. It's up to Tony Khan and Warner Media. I don't give a shit if Jericho and Punk don't want to work together, period. It's not up to them. Jericho's not the boss. Tony Khan's the boss. Tony Khan wants something to happen. He's going to get it done. Warner Media wants something done. They are the boss. Whatever they say goes. So at the end of the day, all this, oh, Jericho and Punk need to sit it out and hash it out, and the elite need to sit down with Punk and hash it. Listen, they can do all that on their own time. If Warner Discovery wants something, then it's going to happen. If Tony Khan wants something to happen, it's going to happen. Simple. It's not up to them. They don't run the fucking company. Nobody runs the company, but... Tony Khan, he is the ultimate decision maker here. So Punk and Jericho, supposed to have a meeting to hash things out. I'm assuming that they would. Jericho, I know everybody's got an ego. And whatever's whatever's going on there with Punk and Jericho, Punk called Jericho a stooge and a liar. I'm sure they're hash that they're gonna hash that out. And I don't I don't see why that should be a lingering issue. Just fucking own up to it, be men, and get business done. There's been a lot more traction with Warner Brothers Discovery about an impending announcement of a primetime Saturday show being designed for a bit of a soft roster split to accommodate the preferences of talent who wanted to stay separate of the particular situations, though talent haven't been informed of that. Talent that Fightful has spoken to have heard of the discussions about a new show but haven't heard about Punk's possible impending return. As with anything, they say things can change, but specifically in this situation uh, that's been brewing for uh, a lot of months now, since September of last year, right now, nothing is set in stone at all on any of what is being reported today. So it's interesting to know that this impending announcement of a primetime Saturday show, which uh, could be what is rumored to be AEW Collision. I don't know if that's going to be the show or not. I mean, I don't really care for a Saturday primetime show in the middle of the summer. 
Uh, I, I don't really care for the other shows that they have outside of Dynamite. I don't watch Rampage on a weekly basis. I don't watch Dark. I don't watch Elevation. I don't watch Ring of Honor. I mean, AEW's got a whole separate fucking problem as far as their roster is concerned. Fightful reported that this Saturday show could be designed for a soft roster split. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? I mean, we're not set up to even start discussing that. Is it a possibility of a roster split? Could a possibility of a roster split be beneficial for AEW? Yes, it could. It could, but not with the current model that we have. Not with one hour of Rampage and one hour of this collision show rumored to be hitting Saturday night prime time, then with two hours of Dynamite. They need, if you want to do that, and I'm not even, I'm not even saying WWE does it right because they don't really abide by their own rules either. They don't really follow their own fucking set of rules either in the draft or the brand split that they have. You see people jumping from Monday to Friday, Friday to Monday with no explanation. There's no really set roster there on Monday and Friday. AEW would need to have two flagship staple shows, not these one-hour irrelevance thrown together that Tony Khan wants to put dream matches on type of shows. We need two Mega shows. We need an A show and a B show. They're going to be AEW's flagship shows two times during the week at two hours each. They need their own Raw and they need their own SmackDown. That's the only way a soft roster split is going to work. If you split the rosters now, then half of the roster, even though I know they mean well and some talent may be featured on one show that isn't really featured on another Some talent isn't featured on Dynamite, but they may be featured on Rampage or they may be featured on Collision on Saturday night. You'll be right back in the same boat because Rampage does dismal numbers. It's got a terrible time slot and nobody's watching it. Nobody cares. And it's taped. And it's taped. Nobody's going to watch. Nobody's going to go out of their way, I should say, and watch a taped show at 10 o'clock, which every other week it seems like it's fucking preempted. Nobody's going to go out of their way to watch a tape show that is every other week preempted with really no continuation from Dynamite at all. And the same thing is going to be with Collision. Everybody's expecting this show to break new ground and, oh, it's going to be another added hour of television for AEW. It's going to be the same fucking shit that you get with Rampage. I mean, how many hours of television do they have that are absolutely meaningless? Nobody watches Rampage. Nobody watches Battle of the Belts. Nobody watches Ring of Honor. And nobody's going to watch Collision. So if you want a soft roster split to split some of the roster away from the CM Punk involvement because he's going to be on Dynamite and he's going to be on that show and he may not be on Rampage and he may not be on Collision. He's going to be on Dynamite. You don't want to be a part of that then it's going to be your loss because you're going to be right back in the same boat. How many people are going to go out of your way or out of their way to watch specific talent on a Saturday night show in the middle of the summer that is going to be identical to what we get on Rampage? I'm not going to go out of my way because Tony Khan and AEW have done nothing to bring me to go out of my way to watch these shows ever, ever. I'll watch it sometimes when it's live because it's a vastly different show when it's live. But if you want a soft roster split or a roster split in general for AEW, we're not even in the discussion to be talking about that right now. 
They don't have the most stable of television. It's one hour here, one hour there, one hour over there, two hours on Wednesday night. They need two hours on Wednesday and two hours with Rampage. I don't want to discuss this until Rampage is live and you make that into your true B show. Meaning it needs to be what SmackDown is to WWE or at this point Raw is to WWE because SmackDown is the flagship show right now. That's what needs to be. So a roster split may not work out. And a roster split, to me, from my vantage point, from my point of view, stop being a fucking crybaby. Really? CM Punk is on his way back to to AEW. He's going to bring with it interest. He's going to bring with it intrigue. He's going to bring with it bigger ratings, bigger live gate. More interest in every single aspect. And then you want to go remove yourself from the situation? Stop being a fucking crybaby. And embrace the fucking change that CM Punk potentially brings the company if he's on his best behavior. Why would you want to remove yourself from that? Sounds like to me those people that want a soft roster split to accommodate not being a part of that situation want to run from the problems And you don't really want to be a team player. It's not the type of people I want on my roster. It's not the type of guy I want in my locker room. I want everybody to work as a team. You wanting a soft roster split because you could go work on the other show because you don't want to be on the same show or in the same locker room as CM Punk. That doesn't translate to me as being a team player. Those are the type of guys that I don't want on the roster. So stop being a fucking crybaby. Pull up your pants and let's do business, okay? CM Punk back in AEW is a much-needed addition. I get where people are coming from that they don't want Punk back. I don't know why you wouldn't want Punk back. Maybe, maybe what Punk did left a bad taste in your mouth that you don't see going away. You can't take a sip of anything and wash that out of your mouth. You're going you're gonna to sit there and dislike CM Punk? You could sit there and dislike CM Punk. But you cannot sit there and tell me that AEW isn't better television with CM Punk on it. You can't. You'd be lying to yourself. You'd be lying to me. He brings everything that you want for this television show. He brings everything that this show needs right now. Do they need CM Punk? They don't need anybody. AEW's got one fucking roster that people would cream themselves over. An absolute stocked roster with the talent that they have on that show or on that uh, in that company. They don't need CM Punk, but do they need CM Punk? Absolutely. You are, I said this weeks ago, you are not announcing this Wembley show without having CM Punk at the top of your list of priorities. You're not announcing Forbidden Door at the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto without CM Punk being on the top of the list of priorities. You are not booking what is the the most important year in the history of this company without CM Punk back on television. He does more good than he does bad, and nobody could really sit there and say, no, you're wrong. No, I'm not. Punk being back is best for business. Four years ago, they had a show at the Now Arena. Jesse was there. I was there. Some of my team was there. And we sat and we were a part of history. 
Dave Meltzer and The Observer said, I don't think they could sell out 10,000 seats for an indie show. Cody Rhodes and The Elite took Dave Meltzer up on that offer and sold that shit out, man. That visual being there, sitting there at the start of the pre-show was absolutely packed to the brim. There was not an empty seat no matter where you looked in that arena. That was four years ago, five years ago. From that, we had AEW born. That was the elite taking a chance on themselves. The following January, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, was announced. As a competitor, as an alternative to what Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment were doing. That was five years ago. Now we're looking at AEW in the summer of 2023, and they're going to put on a show with the very same name as All In. And they're once again taking a chance on themselves. Everybody from the elites and people who they trusted and loved and befriended in the industry came to help them out. It was, it was a night in pro wrestling that everybody came together for the love of pro wrestling. It was, it was the dream of making AEW into a reality. It was the dream of making AEW into a successful brand and a successful wrestling company. You think that vision, you think that mentality, you think that mindset has changed now in 2023? No. Why would it? In fact, it's even bigger now than it was five years ago. The same things apply. If Matt, Nick, and Kenny Omega are going to be a part of All In, then it needs to be about the same fucking thing that brought together everybody back five years ago at the Now Arena in Chicago, filling 10,000 seats. Now you got the arduous task of filling 70,000 seats, 80,000 seats. I don't know if that's going to happen, but AEW is going to fucking try their damnedest to fill that fucking place out. And I'm expecting things that I never expected AEW to do Matches that you'd never expect to see and names that you would never expect to see on this show. Why? Because All In is the most important show that a lot of people don't really talk about. Everybody wants to mention Double or Nothing and All Outs and Full Gear and Revolution. You know, the the pay-per-views that AEW has now. This may be their flagship show. This is... Their WrestleMania, it's what started it all five years ago. All In started it all. Whatever happened on that night with all those hearts that loved professional wrestling, with everybody that came together on that night, you need to keep that same energy for August 27th, 2023 in London at Wembley. And you cannot be without the people who helped mold this company. CM Punk is a part of AEW, whether you like him, whether you want him or not. CM Punk has a history in this company, for better or worse. You cannot do what you did five years ago without CM Punk on this show. And I'm being straight up, brutally 100% honest with you. Because I know he loved professional wrestling five years ago. He just wasn't ready to come back. He wasn't ready to come back the year after that, the year after that, the year after that. It took him up until 2021 to say, you know what, I'm ready. People work on their own time. He knows 
Guarantee to you, I know what Phil Brooks is thinking about this fucking show, and he knows how important this show is. Matt and Nick Jackson know how important this show is. Kenny Omega knows how important this show is on August 27th. That's what it's about. There is absolutely no fucking way you can convince me that these guys all have an issue with each other and they will continue to have an issue with each other, which bleeds into that show. It's about the love of AEW, and you cannot do that without making the team work as one. It needs to be. It needs to be. I don't want to go into that show with the elites versus the Lucha Brothers or the elite versus fucking Top Flight or whoever the fucking else Tony Khan wants to put on that show. You need what is going to take AEW to the next level. For months, I've been saying AEW needs what the WWE has with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and the Usos and Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. They need that bloodline story. This is it. This is it. You need that long-term booking. You need that long-term week-to-week build the show around this story type of shit. This is it. If we don't see FTR versus FTR and CM Punk versus the Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt Nick Jackson on that show, AEW will have dropped the ball bigger than they ever dropped the ball ever. It's the fourth quarter and you're about to hit the game-winning fucking shot. Do not step up to that fucking three-point line. Shoot that shot and miss. Don't. In this case, it would be AEW stepping up to the three-point line and not shooting the ball. Never mind shooting the ball and missing. Shoot the ball and fucking score. You cannot score here inside Wembley without CM Punk, FTR, and the Elite as the main event. It's what the people want. They know it. All six guys know it. Tony Khan knows it. Warner Media knows it. Every single fucking fan watching this show waiting for this shit to happen knows it. Make the money. Sit down. Work with each other. Give the fans a reason to be excited. We love what you are doing. We want to be a part of your journey. Do not let this show go by and you blatantly omit what the essence was back five years ago going into this second iteration of All In. Don't do it. You'll never get this back, ever. You let this go, it is gone forever. Man up, put your egos aside, and do this shit for AEW because that's what mattered then and that is most important in your life now. I don't want to hear about this ever again. Just get the shit done and make it happen. Moving on. There's a clarification in Kenny Omega's AEW contract status. This was talked about on The Observer by Dave Meltzer. Omega is still working under his old extended contract and hasn't signed a new one yet. Okay, says Meltzer. The stuff with Kenny Omega. Conan did an interview and it got people thinking that Kenny Omega had signed a new contract. Kenny Omega is under contract with AEW. His contract was never extended because he was out for, I think, nine months due to injuries. I believe that he is under contract until around November or December. There is no new deal that's been signed. So uh, that is according to Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer. Conan recently told Nick Hausman that he wanted Omega to face 
Vikingo at Sunday's Triple A Triple Mania show, but Omega's contract negotiation with AEW prevented the match from being booked. Conan also said that Omega wouldn't commit because he's still negotiating with AEW. None of my business. I don't give a shit what happens then. That's up to Tony Khan. I'm sure they'll get something done. Let's let's worry about one thing at a time. If we start worrying about Kenny Omega's contract and putting the narrative out there that he's going to WWE, it, it, it's not a good look. It's not it's not good for Kenny. It's not good for AEW because we're, we're going to start to see the ball roll here and we're going to get the Summer of Punk back and we're going to do what we got to do to get television the way it needs to be for AEW and sell these shows out. You don't want this being a looming fucking dark cloud or a black cloud over everything that's going on right now. So we don't need people claiming that, oh, Kenny Omega is going to be swayed away from AEW by WWE. Kenny is going to dump AEW for WWE. No. Now, none of those things are even remotely being close to happening. None of those things are remotely true at all. So I don't know why anybody would be making content about that when, you know, Kenny Omega and Tony Khan right now, for all we know, could be sit down and they could be negotiating a deal. Now, currently, same thing with the Young Bucks. We don't know. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's new WWE contract has a code of conduct and a non-harassment policy included. Really now? Really now? More details continue to come out about the new WWE contract that Vince McMahon signed at the end of March making him a two-year employee. Great. We got him for a two-year stretch. Uh, I wish we'd, we, we would be able to get rid of him completely. Two years now, at least, we have Vince McMahon around. Just days before, it was announced that Endeavor had acquired the company, 51% to Endeavor and 49% still owned by Vince McMahon. As previously reported via an SEC filing, McMahon became an employee again after receiving a stock award with a market value of $4.7 million. For now, he remains the controlling shareholder of the company. The deal stipulates that he will serve as executive chairman for two years from his start date of January 9th, 2023, when he returned to WWE. A report by The Hollywood Reporter indicates that McMahon's continued employment shall be conditioned on compliance with WWE's conflict of interest and code of conduct and their equal opportunity and non-harassment policy. The clause in the deal comes after McMahon walked away from WWE last summer after being investigated by the board of directors for hush money payments made by him to women who he had sexual affairs with. The day after WrestleMania 39, it was announced that Endeavor would be purchasing WWE with the plan to merge it with the UFC to form a brand new company. Although the WWE board didn't want McMahon to return to the company in December, McMahon pushed his way back in, blew up the board of directors, and swayed the board of directors from a unanimous no to a unanimous yes. Seemingly in weeks. Well, he told the shareholders to fuck off, and he changed bylaws basically saying to them, Fuck off. I don't need you to make any decisions moving forward. Endeavor CEO Ari Emanuel has stated that he is the one who wanted McMahon to stay on board since the acquisition had been completed. 
You know, it, it says a lot. It says a lot that your executive chairman of the board had the contract doctored up and it has a new, brand new, which I'm assuming is specific to Vince McMahon, new bylaws, new this made because of Vince McMahon, a brand new code of conduct and non-harassment policy. Now, these, these, these would be things that would be in anybody's contract if you sign with a corporation like WWE, I, I mean, these things were in the fucking contract, I believe, you know, they, they should have been when anybody signs on to a company like WWE. Now, Vince McMahon has a brand new code of conduct and a new non-harassment policy added to his contract. It's amazing that this man is still in the position that he's in with the type of power that he has. And it's sad that this has to be talked about with somebody with the type of power that Vince McMahon has. How embarrassing is that? How embarrassing is that, that we need to report that he's got a brand new code of conduct and a new non-harassment policy that pertains to Vince McMahon and what he did because of what he did. Now this is included in his contract. Doesn't that mean to you that maybe he shouldn't be where he is right now with the fucking type of power that he wields? I don't know. I think it would be common logic that a code of conduct and a non-harassment policy would be in anybody's contract and that you should abide by those rules, not get a brand new set of rules added to your contract because of what you did back in June. I find that to be a little a, a little counterproductive uh, there. Sounds like Vince McMahon shouldn't be in the type of position that he's in. It's disgusting what he did, and it seemingly got swept under the rug. He paid off everybody that he needed to pay off. He sold the company to Ari Emanuel, 51% of the company. Who knows who else was in the running to buy WWE? He sold it to Ari Emanuel, who he's known for 23 years. Nobody asked why that is, and nobody really is questioning his motives here. Why didn't he sell it to anybody else? He sold it to Ari Emanuel, and then Ari Emanuel is out here saying, oh, yeah, I was never going to do the deal without Vince McMahon being on board. Of course you weren't. Of course you weren't. Because Vince McMahon initially sold it to you because he knew exactly what he was going to get out of you. He played you for a fucking fool. Liberty Media, Amazon, Netflix, Disney, Comcast, NBCU, whoever else was in fuck involved here with the WWE about potentially purchasing the company. For all we know, they said, Vince, fuck off. We want Stephanie and Paul in charge. We don't want anything to do with you. We want your company, but we want you out. It was never about the sale of the company, ever. It was about his power. That's all that mattered here. His power is safe with someone he's known for 23 years. He sold it to Liberty Media. Vince McMahon would be out the door. Thank you for your company. We don't need you. Ari Emanuel is Vince McMahon's safe space. He's not going anywhere. As long as he's on best behavior, Ari Emanuel is not going to get rid of him. And he's already put him in charge. Vince's creative is going to be what Vince's creative needs to be. That's his, that's his forte. That's his lane. I'm going to leave him to it. That's all you needed to hear. That's all you needed to hear. You don't think this man is back now? I mean, the sale of the company is all but completed. What is Vince McMahon doing on the, on the day-to-day? What is he doing? You don't think he's going to be involved in some way, shape, or form? You think he's going to be sitting in his office and that's it? No, he's going to be traveling with the fucking brand. He thinks that now that he's paid everybody off and everything is done and the deal is done and Endeavor is going to be buying 51% of the company, that Vince McMahon could walk away scot-free. 
him and his little fucking mustache. It's embarrassing that he needs a brand new code of conduct and a non-harassment policy. It, it means to me that maybe he shouldn't be in position to wield the type of power that he has right now as executive chairman of the board. Honestly. Give Me Sport is reporting that Vince McMahon will have no impact on Triple H's plans for the 2023 draft. Now, I want you guys to understand that this report is coming from Ringside News, but this is being spawned off as news from Give Me Sport, which is one of the most clickbaity fucking sites out there that gives WWE news. I want you guys to understand this, okay? So this is Louis Dangor, who is a known WWE dick rider on social media. He wrote this up and says that Triple H's plans for the upcoming draft will not be impacted by Vince McMahon as a new report has claimed. Now, Vince McMahon has already shown that he could destroy creative like that uh, without even blinking which we saw firsthand on the Raw after Mania. And if you don't, if you don't like what he did there, I mean, that's what's going to be if he gets his hands dirty and gets his hands more involved in the creative aspect. Now, it was a one-time thing, per se, as he didn't travel to the West Coast. He wasn't in Portland for SmackDown. He wasn't in Seattle for Raw. We're going to give it time. It's going to be a narrative every single Monday and Friday. Is Vince there? Is Vince there? Is Vince there? It's either going to be a yes or a no. But I don't trust this company. After that Monday, when he was legitimately in the afternoon, they aired the CNBC interview when he said, oh, I'm going to be in creative. Yes and no. I'm going to be in creative at a higher level, but I'm not going to be in the weeds anymore. I'll never forget it. Not going to be in the weeds. I mean, you blow up the entire fucking show. It was the lowest rated Monday Night Raw ever. Which had his name and his stench all over. Then we go to SmackDown and Triple H kind of normalized that show. Vince wasn't there. Monday Night Raw had the Raw from Hell with travel issues. It was more of a Triple H show than it was on the prior Monday. But I don't know how worse you could get. Coming out of uh, the Raw after Mania going into the following week, it was bad. It was legitimately bad. Now, what a lot of people really aren't taking into consideration is that Triple H has already stated that he talks to Vince McMahon frequently about WWE creative. So, I I mean, with the lies that we've heard and, you know, Triple H is in charge, says Kevin Dunn and Nick Khan and Frank Riddick and Triple H himself. Meanwhile, we get Triple H back. In creative on Friday, but we just got done with that Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. But here I am thinking, how can I trust you coming out of Monday? You mean to tell me that cell phones or mobile devices don't exist in WWE? StreamYard, Zoom, fucking whatever other business app you use to conference call people with. You don't think Vince McMahon's on fucking speakerphone or Vince McMahon's on video call booking the fucking show with Triple H? You don't think that's even a remote possibility? Of course it is. Everything gets handed to Vince McMahon for final approval. 
Where are you? What are you watching? They can't make it blatant. They can't. He could if he wanted, but he's seen it. There's no doubt in my mind that every member of that management team seen the reaction online. They had to go to Vince. They had to convince Vince against his own will. Vince, we're going to have to scale you back. We're going to have to scale you back. People are now becoming a little bit more in tune with what you're doing. We can't make it so blatant. We can't take these people for fools anymore. But I don't trust this fucking company. They want to tell you and shill to you that Triple H is in charge. I don't believe he's 100% in charge. I don't. I don't believe a fucking word out of these people's mouths. So when I read this report about Vince McMahon having no impact on the WWE draft, you genuinely want me to believe this is the same thing as WrestleMania. You want me to believe that Vince McMahon was not going to be a part of WrestleMania season? How quickly did that change in WWE on Raw and SmackDown? When we watched the show, we were like, yep, that's Vince. Yep, that's a Vince McMahon decision. That's not a Triple H decision. What the fuck is going on here? Why is it more and more that Vince McMahon seemingly has a hand in what's going on creatively on WWE television? You thought Vince McMahon was not going to be part of WrestleMania festivities? He was backstage. He was wearing the headset. He was directing the fucking show like he usually does every year. He will do it until he's dead in the grave. You don't think Vince McMahon's going to be a part of a fucking draft that spans Raw and SmackDown, that spans two nights. You don't think Vince McMahon's going to be a part of a show that completely changes the way you look at WWE television now that turns the rosters upside down? You don't think he's going to have a say on who goes where and what happens to those roster members? How could you believe a fucking report like this? How? You got to be a blithering fucking zombie to think that Vince McMahon is not going to have at least some say in what goes on here. So Give Me Sport is reporting that Ringside News has the inside scoop about this WWE draft story. A new reporter stated that Vince will have no say in the WWE draft and is leaving everything up to Triple H. Sure thing. Sure thing, Lewis. At the time of this writing... There's no word on when the draft will take place, but the rumored date is May 8th, which is the first episode after uh, the first episode of Raw after Backlash, which takes place two days earlier on May 6th in Puerto Rico. So Ringside News is reporting, we've reached out to confirm Vince McMahon's involvement in the draft process, and we are told that he hasn't put his hands in the situation at all. In fact, a tenured member of the creative team informed us that Mr. McMahon has not offered any opinion on the draft. That's what they want you to know. How many times has this company lied? Nick Khan lied, Triple H lied on behalf of Vince and the WWE in general, on behalf of Nick Khan. Bruce Pritchard even came out and lied and said that Vince McMahon has not booked anything creatively yet. This was before the Raw after Mania. This was like two weeks before WrestleMania. Yet. That yet came on the Raw after Mania. This is the narrative that they want out. And they'll go and get any schmuck to report, oh yeah, Vince is not in charge. Bullshit. Absolutely a bullshit story. Triple H said that the fans 
can expect the draft to change the game, hinting that some big roster moves will be taking place. Change what? What exactly is going to change as far as the WWE draft? Is there going to be a different way that we conduct the draft this year? Are we going to keep to a brand split where Raw remains on Raw and SmackDown remains on SmackDown? Are you going to break your rules within three weeks of the draft? Are we going to see Raw show up on SmackDown and SmackDown show up on Raw? I don't trust anything that this company does or says. I don't. Vince McMahon, 100% will have some say. Will he have all the say? I don't know, but I don't know why we would think otherwise, because just like everything else, Triple H does it, Vince McMahon approves it. How much did they scale Vince back after the fucking disaster that was Raw After Mania and the blow up on social media? How much of Vince did they scale back? They'll just wait for everybody to forget that, and then they'll bring him back, or Vince will bring himself back and say, is the the coast clear yet? Is it safe to come out? Me with my fucking mustache. I don't trust a fucking thing these people have to say. Ever. Monday Night Raw. Details on what is being described as the travel day from hell on Monday Night Raw. This was a complete, complete disaster on Monday night. So if you watch Raw on April 10th, you know, you would not really have noticed much of anything. It was a largely better show than the week prior. But if you were not online, and I mean this genuinely, if you were not online, if you weren't reading the dirt sheets, if you weren't on Twitter, and you watched that show, you would have, you wouldn't have even blinked an eye. I mean, it was like you would normally see a Monday Night Raw, right? Some things were changed, some things were advertised, and then, you know, things were changed in the late night around seven o'clock. Riddle was advertised with The Miz. That got canceled, which I got no problem with. Bianca Belair uh, was supposed to be at the show, and whatever she was doing got canceled off the show. There was a a bunch of things that were, you know, changed. Sami Zayn was supposed to wrestle Solo Sokoa. He wasn't there because of travel issues. They put Kevin Owens in his place against Solo Sokoa. So things were changed. But if you were watching the show and you weren't online earlier in the day, you wouldn't really have noticed anything change. PW Insider reports that numerous sources in WWE relayed the idea that Monday was an absolute travel day from hell. One source claimed it had affected half the roster, but another source says it wasn't that bad. In terms of exactly how much of the show had to be adjusted, PW Insider reported that that they heard about a third of the show was changed because of issues. Now, I mean, a third of the show isn't really all that bad, I mean, if you were looking at 50, 60% of the show, then you know, I could see it being a complete chaotic environment. But, I mean, they had talent in place, and the talent that they did have in place fit into the show nicely, where everything kind of flowed cohesively. And everything still made sense by the time the show was over. So it wasn't that bad of a show. It wasn't great. It was better than the Raw After Mania, but it wasn't looking like... It was the situation where WWE got stuck in Saudi Arabia that one year and they had to completely book SmackDown on the fly and call NXT up and fly in a whole slew of NXT talents. And we got Adam Cole wrestling Daniel Bryan on SmackDown and Matt Riddle and Keith Lee are on SmackDown. I'm like, what am I watching here? 
It was almost as if SmackDown just completely became a different show and we were given the SmackDown that should be. And we all loved that show. I mean, I think it was the highest rated SmackDown in the entire year that year. I thought we were looking at a situation like that. It was, it was not anywhere near that. They didn't have to fly in NXT talent. They didn't really drastically change anything from, from what you normally see on a Monday night. So I honestly think from what I saw, my point of view, it wasn't really all that bad, to be quite honest with you. Wrestling Observer said, Dave Meltzer confirmed that a lot of the talent were on a flight from Orlando to Seattle that was delayed. And that's where the travel issues heading into Raw stem from because much of the talent was on that particular flight. The people on that flight reportedly included Matt Riddle and Sami Zayn. They actually arrived at the end of Raw during the third hour. Another thing Meltzer mentioned was that Riddle and Miz was initially scheduled for the show. That was canceled for a completely different reason. So if it was canned and canceled for a completely different reason, it wasn't because of the flight issue. It was probably canned because Triple H was like, well, Vince, this didn't make any sense last week. We debuted Matt Riddle back on television after being out for all these months, and you immediately throw him into a fucking feud and a match with The Miz. Why? This doesn't really make any sense with what we're doing. So Triple H probably had to sit down with Vince McMahon and say, well, this is why Matt Riddle was out of television, or off television, per storyline. I want to kind of take what we did then to write him off and kind of continue where we left off with that. Let's plug him into the Bloodline story. Roman's going to be missing Backlash. I want to do this big six-man tag at Backlash. Cody's got Brock. Roman's not going to be at the pay-per-view. Let's do this big six-man tag with Riddle teaming with Sammy and KO against the Bloodline. I mean, simple. These are the things that Vince doesn't think about. These are the things that Vince doesn't know because he's too busy manipulating his way back into fucking power. So that's why I believe that shit was changed. It didn't make any sense. Showed up on Monday to attack The Miz, riding down on his fucking stupid little scooter. Then he shows up on Friday, and it's a completely different Matt Riddle. No scooter, getting in fights with the bloodline. Why didn't we get that on Monday? Another thing Meltzer mentioned was that Riddle and Miz, gone. Elias and Corbin were both actually at the show. They were not used. So... Riddle Miz canceled for a completely different reason, not travel issues. And Elias and Corbin were actually at the show. They were just not used, which I have no problem with because nobody wants to see Elias and nobody wants to see Baron Corbin. It was said that the creative team was basically putting together a show with the performers that they had available. Luckily that, you know, everything the way that they had it play out, it worked because they had performers that were available that still fit the grand scheme of what they wanted to do. And they don't really have much going on right now on Monday Night Raw that's going to be building towards Backlash. What do we need for Backlash coming out of Monday Night Raw? Dominic and the Rey Mysterio angle is playing out on SmackDown. Bianca needs an opponent. We could do that. We can get Bianca an opponent for Backlash. What else is coming out of Monday Night Raw It's going to be on on Backlash? Cody and, and Brock Lesnar, they were both there. Brock Lesnar doesn't need to be there as long as Cody was there. You're good to go. So they really weren't missing much of anything. All the performers that they had still built to what they needed to do at Backlash. When it comes to who was missing, a few names. So we got Austin Theory. The wrestling account on Twitter, WRKD Wrestling, had reported that there was something planned with Theory and Bobby Lashley. Lashley had a match with Bronson Reed. 
But there was no theory on the show. Now, I don't know if he actually had travel issues or not. I don't know. Uh, that was not specified. But, uh, I mean, Theory and Lashley, why would, we be, why would we be going back to that? That sounds like a Vince McMahon thing because that's where Vince McMahon left off with Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley. So that may have been a Vince McMahon thing and Triple H had to step in and say, Vince, I got this Battle Royal situation that we did on the Friday before WrestleMania. Bronson Reed and Bobby Lashley were the last two in the Battle Royal. I want to continue with that. So that was probably one of the things that Triple H had changed in his favor on Monday Night Raw. But no reports about where Austin Theory was, if he was used or not used and was there, or he had travel issues coming from Florida to Seattle. Bianca Belair, she was planned for a match with EO Sky. Instead, EO Sky won a... Uh, triple threat match, number one contenders match against Piper Niven and Mia Yim. No change there. I mean, we didn't really need Bianca Belair on the show against EO. Why would we do that? But we got EO and Bianca happening now, possibly at the pay-per-view, which is going to give them more time to do what they need to do. Going to be a better match for it. And we got EO as the number one contender by having her beat two women that really aren't much of a priority on the show. So I don't mind that at all. That was actually a better change than what was originally planned. Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest of Judgment Day. Uh, They were not there. The other members of Judgment Day were, though. Dominic and Finn Balor were there. They were on the show. They opened up the show with uh, Finn Balor and Rey Mysterio. No Priest, no Ripley. They didn't need to be there. They got what they needed out of of, uh, Rey Mysterio, Finn Balor, and Dominic. Simple. Very simple. Rollins. Rollins is a whole nother story, man. Maybe there'll be news on Rollins and what he's feeling right now because it certainly feels like Rollins has zero creative momentum on WWE television. Uh, There was no word on any plans for Rollins before the show, but you'd think it would be kind of odd for someone of Rollins' uh, stature on the show to be just left off completely. Uh, We don't know if he was there or not. Uh, Becky was on the show, so you would think that that that... Rollins and Becky would travel together, but they were not on the show together. Becky was on the show, but Rollins was not, so no news on that. Miz had been advertised for a match all week against Matt Riddle. Uh, Miz was not on the show at all, which uh, I don't mind at all myself. Dolph Ziggler and Nikki Cross were at the show. They worked matches during the main event tapings against Tyler Bate and Zoe Stark. Tyler Bate versus Dolph Ziggler, man, that sounds like a banger match. Um... PW Insider also mentioned that similar to SmackDown, McMahon was not present at the show, uh, though he had gone through the original creative plans and approved them with Triple H without making any huge changes to the show. So he he gave everybody a reprieve uh, on Monday because they already had so much to deal with, and he didn't really want to add any more headache to what they were already dealing with on Monday. But th- those were some of the changes. Uh, also, Zayn and Solo were supposed to be in the main event. Zayn arrived at the end, but Kevin Owens filled in for Sammy against Solo. Even though we've seen the match a few times already before, it was probably Solo's best match on uh, the WWE main roster so far. Thought it was a great match with, with Kevin Owens. And then Sami Zayn and Matt Riddle made the save after a beatdown on KO at the end of Monday Night Raw. So that is pretty much all but confirmed we're getting a six-man tag team match at Backlash. Logan Paul. Logan Paul is now with the WWE multi-year contract signed. After teasing leading up to WrestleMania and coming out of the events, being a free agent, 
Whether or not WWE teasing WWE, whether they would renew his contract or not, Logan Paul has confirmed he signed a multi-year agreement with WWE, and he's back with the company. He's probably making more money than he was on his previous deal. He made his in-ring debut in 2022 when teaming with The Miz to take on the Mysterios at WrestleMania 38, and they lost before Paul beat The Miz at SummerSlam, turning on his partner. Paul lost to Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel in one hell of a match for the Undisputed title. And then he worked the Royal Rumble, where he eliminated Seth Rollins, which set up his WrestleMania match with Seth Rollins. And he lost to Rollins at WrestleMania 39. Uh, Whether you like Logan Paul or not, whether you approve of him being there or not, uh, it is a great business decision for WWE to bring him back and feature him in high-profile matches on their PLEs. So I have no problem with that at all. Based on the work that we've seen him go out there and do, I have absolutely zero problem with Logan Paul being on the show because you know that you're going to get a banger match no matter who he's in the ring with. Now, the problem that I have is a lot of the dirt sheets were reporting that WWE has an unofficial hiring freeze for 2023. So far, for the first four months of 2023, after Triple H brought back so many different people, when everybody thought Vince McMahon was gone for good, Triple H had a field day by bringing back a lot of the talent that Vince McMahon ultimately fired because they were NXT, and Vince McMahon did a lot to destroy what Triple H created in NXT for one reason or another. Now, Tamatonga was also on the list of guys that Triple H wanted to bring in, or there was some interest from WWE in maybe exploring him coming on into the company. Brian Cage was also another name. He just confirmed signing with AEW. Jay White is all elite. There were a lot of reports out there that Triple H was super confident that he was going to bring in Jay White. Authors of Pain were another tandem fired by Vince McMahon that were very much black and gold while Triple H was down there leading the charge on NXT. They were a possibility of coming back. Eric Young. Eric Young supposedly has been signed since November. And he hasn't really debuted yet. Maybe WWE brings him back with the WWE draft. I I don't know. Nick Aldis was another one. Fightful reported that Triple H was also high on Nick Aldis. Now, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I don't know if Vince McMahon is going to take a look at Nick Aldis and want to push Nick Aldis on his television. Uh, I could see Nick Aldis working for AEW at the Wembley show. That much I could see. But Nick Aldis, Triple H was high on him, so that means Vince McMahon has nothing to do with Nick Aldis and doesn't want anything to do with Nick Aldis. But there is a hiring freeze. There is a hiring, unofficial, but there is a hiring freeze. WWE reportedly will be cutting $50 million to $100 million in budget, maybe more than that, for departments that they don't need because Endeavor has their own departments. They're going to trim the fat, and it's just going to come with the territory with a merger of two companies like UFC and WWE. But my thing is, and people try to get one up on me because I am who I am. I have a voice in the community. And they like to prove content creators wrong. I I put out a tweet when Logan Paul had tweeted that he signed a new multi-year deal with the WWE. Yeah, so much for that hiring freeze. People were like, oh, it's a a contract renewal. It doesn't have anything to do with a hiring freeze. The fuck are you talking about? They're they're paying this guy double, possibly triple with what he was making on the first go around. And they're putting more money 
that apparently they want to stop spending into somebody like Logan Paul. It very much has to do with a hiring freeze. Plus, additionally, and this is where people were really, really fucking wrong, and they tried to, they tried to prove me wrong. He announced he was a free agent. He said that my contract is over when WrestleMania night one is completed. He didn't wrestle on night two. He didn't wrestle on Monday. And it was announced this week, a week and a half after WrestleMania, that he re-upped and signed with the WWE. So for a week and a half, Logan Paul was not a WWE employee. He was a free agent. They brought him back, and they gave him more money than the previous deal. So it definitely contradicts the unofficial hiring freeze of WWE. They're giving money to Logan Paul, but they don't want to bring in actual professional wrestlers that will be there to make their television show better every single week. They gave that money to Logan Paul. Nobody's got a problem with that, though, right? I'm not saying that they can't. This, this company's got more money than fucking they, they care to fucking count. And they can't bring in Jay White. Jericho, Jericho said in a recent interview that WWE had Jay White presented to them on a silver platter. Imagine passing up on Jay White, who looks like Jay White, 30 years old, speaks the fucking language fluently, speaks Japanese. I don't understand how you pass up on somebody like that. Why? But you want to give Logan Paul two to three times more money than than what he was making on his previous deal. Sure thing. Sure thing. I'm happy he's back. But, you know, WWE caters to some and for others, they're shit out of luck. Speaking of signing and not signing, The Rock. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing about it, to be honest with you, man. I'm I'm just over it. The Rock is not committed to working WrestleMania 40. Good. Good. I don't care. I really don't care. The more I hear about him not being committed and he can't do it and he's not really ring ready, I'm over it. The longer this goes on, the worse The Rock is going to be. And the worse the match is going to be, whichever match he wants to retire on. So Meltzer talked about The Rock and noted that Dwayne has left a crack in the door regarding his future with WWE, but it's far from a commitment. Reigns had pretty much gone through everyone at the top tier of the roster, and with the exception of Gunther, and obviously, of course, The Rock. Dwayne Johnson, when he turned down this year due to schedule, did leave a crack in the door open about possibly going to Philadelphia, wrestling at WrestleMania 40 next year, but that was far from a commitment and certainly nothing anyone should be counting on to happen. There didn't appear to be another new challenger on the horizon. Comments from Dwayne didn't go unnoticed, with Roman Reigns stating that he was a smart businessman, adding that he knows what he is doing. At WrestleMania 39, WWE went with their plan B because they wanted Dwayne and The Rock to be their plan A in Los Angeles for the biggest WrestleMania ever. That fell through. So Cody Rhodes, they were booking Cody Rhodes and had a backup plan in Cody Rhodes, which was the main event of WrestleMania 39. I don't care. I really, really, really don't even care anymore. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. We're probably better off not even getting The Rock. 
uh, in a ring with Roman Reigns at the stage of the game. Does the match need the titles? No. If it happens, it's going to be without the titles because I don't see Roman holding the championship's path this year anyway. Speaking of Gunther, Gunther versus Brock Lesnar is being discussed to happen this summer. A lot of people automatically presumed this would be at SummerSlam. Not the case. As exclusively reported by WrestlingNews.co, in December, WWE had internally been planning for Gunther versus Lesnar at WrestleMania 39, but it was canceled. I don't know how far along those discussions got because I don't know how you're booking that match over what we got with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Now, McIntyre might not have been a part of the plan, but I am of the belief that they held off on Sheamus and Gunther until WrestleMania because that was always the plan. Lesnar and Gunther could have been an idea that maybe could have happened at WrestleMania, but they waited on it, and for whatever reason, they went with a different direction for Brock Lesnar. But as long as we got Gunther, Sheamus, in some way, shape, or form of WrestleMania, I think everybody was happy that what we got at Mania happened anyway. Um, but the match is still on the table. Gunther wanted to happen. Lesnar seems to be open to it. And I think it'll be a big-time match, especially for Gunther's career, because it'll take him to the next level. And there really isn't much for Lesnar to do with the roster now anyway. I think he's kind of demolished everybody. Somebody like that against Brock, with Brock putting him over? That'll be a big fucking deal. That'll be the catalyst for Gunther to go and chase the world championship. WWE teased this match at the Royal Rumble. They were in the ring. They had a little bit of a stare down. Not much happened there in January. The wrestling account WRKD on Twitter reported that the idea is Gunther squaring off against Lesnar sometime this summer. However, another report, take it with a huge grain of salt, from Ringside News has claimed that Gunther vs. Brock isn't in the works for this summer, as Triple H has other plans lined up for Brock Lesnar this year. We were told by a tenured member of the writing team, says Ringside News, who knows the plan for Brock Lesnar, that it's not Lesnar vs. Gunther. We're told that the writing team already knows what he's doing at SummerSlam. That being said, Lesnar not working with Gunther this summer. So let me get this straight. Ringside News and a tenured member of the writing team told Ringside News that it's not Lesnar versus Gunther and they already know what the plan for Lesnar is. How do you read that and then believe after what we know about Brock Lesnar? How do you read that and know that's the plan? You don't. The only people that know what Lesnar is doing at any given point in time. I don't even know if Triple H knows what Brock Lesnar is doing. Maybe he does. Maybe he don't. But if there's one thing that we know, Lesnar either opens the show to get the fuck out of there early or he's in the main event. Lesnar doesn't want to be there more than he has to. Lesnar wants to get paid. Lesnar... And what he does is not known to anyone but Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard, Paul Heyman, and maybe Triple H. Maybe. 
being that he's the chief content officer. We don't know for sure. Kevin Dunn, everybody that's in Vince McMahon's circle. And then Lesnar and Heyman, obviously, they go hand in hand. So if Ringside News is reporting that, then they may be getting their information from one of those five men, which is not the case at all. Ringside News doesn't know jack shit, and nobody knows what's going on with Brock Lesnar. Now, a lot of people were like, you know what? Maybe we'll do it at SummerSlam. Maybe Lesnar versus Gunther at SummerSlam is in the works. So Steve Carrier of Ringside News said that Brock's scheduled opponent for SummerSlam as of this writing is quote-unquote not who you think it will be at all, hinting that Triple H has some interesting plans up his sleeve for Brock Lesnar. Yeah, just like just like how Triple H had some really interesting plans for Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, or uh, WrestleMania, rather. Same thing now for SummerSlam. What were the plans for Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt said no. Bray Wyatt said no to Triple H's plans at WrestleMania. He went to go cry to Daddy Vince. Daddy Vince then booked Brock Lesnar in a match with Omos, pal. That's what happened. He said, fuck off, Bray Wyatt. I don't want Triple H booking my shit. If this is the creative he's got for me, I'm going right back to Vince to book a match at WrestleMania for myself. And lo and behold, Vince books Omos, pal. It's exactly what happened. So Triple H had creative ideas for Brock, which were turned down. Now he's got creative ideas for Brock going into SummerSlam with somebody who it's not who you think it will be at all. I mean, are we going to do the same thing that we did at WrestleMania all over again? Brock doesn't work with anybody but Vince. How many times do I have to fucking tell you? Cody versus Brock is a Vince McMahon idea. This is not a Triple H match. This was not planned weeks in advance. This was booked the day of. So this WrestleMania was over. Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard got together and booked Cody versus Lesnar. It's exactly what happened. Is it going to happen? Probably. They'd be stupid not to explore it. When is it going to happen? If it's not at SummerSlam, money in the bank would be the next best bet. They're in London. They're in the O2 Arena. A match of that magnitude would be a mega spectacle with that audience in that building for money in the bank. I don't know. We don't know if Gunther is going to remain the Intercontinental Champion at that point. Will Lesnar be challenging for the IC title? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we get it as a final in the King of the Ring. That'll kick off the summer. King of the Ring is happening Memorial Day weekend. Could be. Maybe Gunther and Lesnar is the final of the King of the Ring. I'm just throwing that out there. More than likely, that's not going to happen. But who the fuck knows? Lesnar's going to need a big-time match in Saudi Arabia. Who else is on the roster that Lesnar's going to wrestle at, at a crown jewel or wherever the fuck, King of the Ring uh, or Super Showdown? How many, how many opponents does Lesnar have lined up for him at these Saudi shows? Gunther right now could be a potential opponent there. So it's going to be a wait-and-see game, but Ringside News? Ringside News knows what Lesnar's plans are. Sure thing. The real reason... Why WWE booked Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes at Backlash. So this is coming from PW Insider Elite. Brock Lesnar was never scheduled to appear on this week's Raw, which was the travel day from hell. 
And apparently they are reporting that the reason why the match is happening at Backlash is because they want the Backlash show in Puerto Rico to have a lot of marquee matches because the show is going to be a part of a, pro- of a promotional push to push Puerto Rico as a travel destination similar to the events in Saudi Arabia and the United Kingdom being used to promote those locations when WWE holds PLEs over there. So the reason why Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes is happening at Backlash is because they want to push Puerto Rico to be a destination for families and vacationers. Has nothing to do with the mountain that Cody Rhodes needs to climb the Cody Rhodes chase for the world title. No, none of those reasons. No, because they want to make Puerto Rico a travel destination and they're going to use this match as a promotional push for that to happen. On top of the reasons that we were already given, which I have already stated are complete dog shit, bullshit. But with the reasons that we got on Monday Night Raw. Does anybody remember the reasons that Cody Rhodes gave us in that Great promo that he got on Monday Night Raw. What were the reasons? One of the reasons was Brock Lesnar was upset with his WrestleMania match. Now, I don't know if it was the match or the order in which the match happened. Maybe he went on first. He was upset with his order at WrestleMania. He was upset that he opened the show. Whatever reason, whatever narrative they want to push, Lesnar was upset with his WrestleMania spot. Why the fuck does Brock Lesnar care? He opened the show, which means Brock Lesnar could wrestle for four minutes, leave the fucking venue, and go home. Why am I to believe Lesnar is upset with his spot on the WrestleMania card? So that means everybody else should be upset with that WrestleMania spot. Rhea Ripley didn't main event WrestleMania on night one. She was in the co-main event. She won the Royal Rumble. If anybody should be upset, it's fucking Rhea Ripley. You don't see John Cena crying on social media that he opened the show on night one against Austin Theory, right? If Brock Lesnar is upset with his WrestleMania spot, then everybody else, not named Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, should also be upset with their WrestleMania spot. This is the level of creativity that Vince McMahon brings back to the WWE. The other reason, and it's not as cringe as that, but the other reason is that Cody believes... Lesnar targeted him because Cody brings change that upsets Brock Lesnar to the WWE. Why would the change Cody brings to the WWE upset Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar's there 20 dates out of the entire fucking year. Who gives a shit? Why is he upset at Cody? Don't you think Lesnar would want Cody to win the title against Roman Reigns? I mean, it would probably have been better if Cody beat Roman on Sunday night and then the Lesnar attack happened because Lesnar, per contract and per storyline, would be able to challenge Cody Rhodes for the world championship because he can't currently do that now with Roman Reigns. That would have made a lot more sense. You know what You know what would have made a lot more sense too, now that I'm thinking about it? Why didn't they just say, that Lesnar is upset with the way Roman Reigns has conducted himself as the tribal chief. He can't stand this shit. And that he was looking forward to Cody winning and finishing the story and changing WWE for the better. Lesnar should be upset that Cody 
didn't get the job done and that the change the WWE needs by removing Roman Reigns as their world champion is not finished. I would have believed that as the story. We didn't get anywhere close to that. But what we got is what we got, and what we got is a Vince McMahon story. And none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. They're trying to build Cody Rhodes into being John Cena in 2023. And let me tell you something. Cody Rhodes is not John Cena. And Cody Rhodes should not be modeled after John Cena. I don't want to sit here and dislike Cody Rhodes for the reasons I disliked John Cena and for the way the company gave us John Cena. I don't want them to do that with Cody Rhodes. Otherwise, I'm going to sit here and tell you I'm not on board with Cody Rhodes winning the world championship. I'm going to be tired of Cody Rhodes before he even fucking grabs the title and holds it up in the air and claims himself to be the champion. I don't want to get there. I don't want to get to that point. But I have a fucking feeling in the pit of my stomach that Vince McMahon is going to do everything to make this as nauseating as humanly possible. Please, for the love of God, no. No. That's the real reason. It may be a company reason, but it's not the real reason why the match happened. Moving on. Drew McIntyre. He's reportedly unhappy with creative and money. Presented to him by WWE. This is coming from Wade Keller of PW Torch. He provided an update on McIntyre and added that in addition to the reports about a health issue, McIntyre is said to be unhappy with the creative direction of him and the money offered for his next WWE contract. Keller said, and I quote, We alluded to this. That there's been talk that he is unhappy with his current situation in WWE. And I'm hearing it's kind of a mix of creative and money. And what kind of offer he's getting for a renewal. It sounds like WWE is taking seriously the possibility that he's going to let his deal run out. Rather than agree to something that he believes is less than he deserves. Or less than what he thinks he has coming. Keller continued. He was going to be at SmackDown on Friday. And then he was pulled. So I think the situation will probably, based on what I'm hearing, be decided pretty quickly one way or another. Keller also said that he heard McIntyre was really beat up from the triple threat match with Sheamus and Gunther at WrestleMania. There's a chance that he was pulled from SmackDown in part because he really is just physically beat up from that match at WrestleMania. So just not having to travel and him getting a day off was sort of given to him either at his request or the medical team deemed him to be disqualified from working because of what happened at WrestleMania and gave him some time off. Apparently, both of these stories are true. He's banged up. We know he's banged up. And I don't know why anybody would believe he's not unhappy with creative. I mean, where does he go? Where does he go from here now that he lost his opportunity at the IC title? I don't know where you put Drew McIntyre. Maybe he's thinking... I did all I could in WWE. I've run out of options. And now it's time for me to explore other options with All Elite Wrestling. If McIntyre wants to be paid, WWE may not be in the position now with budget cuts more than likely happening when the sale is official official with Endeavor and the merger of UFC and WWE is complete. McIntyre may not be getting anywhere close to what he deems he deserves. 
So what is he going to do? He's got a huge decision to make. Is he going to stay and be creatively unsatisfied? Or is he going to go seek employment elsewhere, get paid, and maybe take a chance on himself creatively somewhere else? Realistically, he's done everything he can in WWE. But this also is what happens when WWE ties up their world championships on Roman Reigns for near a thousand days. They gave him the WWE championship with no fucking rhyme or reason, no plan. They merged the the championships. They're the undisputed championships right there. As far as I'm concerned, unified. They're operating as one world champion. This is what happens when you have two world championships, put both of those world championships on one man, and you leave every other guy that is similar to Drew McIntyre, including himself, without a championship of that caliber to fight for. I mean, just look, they had him wrestle for the second biggest championship in the company because they don't have the world championships to put him in there against. This is what happens. There are pros to Roman Reigns' title reign, and there are negatives to Roman Reigns' title reign. Guys like McIntyre, guys like Rollins, guys like Edge... When Randy Orton returns, guys like Randy Orton, they have nothing to fight for. I get it. I understand why people wanted Cody to win. This was one of them. McIntyre may be seeking employment elsewhere. I look at McIntyre, I see quintessential perfect pro wrestler. He's got the body type and everything you think of when you think of pro wrestler. But what does he want? It's either one of the two C's. If he's unsatisfied with creative, it's going to be one of the two C's. If he's unsatisfied with creative, he's probably getting paid, but unsatisfied with creative. He's got the cash, but he's unsatisfied with creative. If he is satisfied with creative, he's not being paid. It's either one or the other. In this case, it's both. In this case, it's both. They asked this guy to carry the company on his back in the pandemic. They didn't do him right. Maybe he's expended all his options here. All I know for a fact is WWE can ill afford to lose somebody like Drew McIntyre. That is a company guy. That is a company guy you do not want to lose. It's going to be a very, very interesting summer, man. And they said the contract is up within the next nine months. Within the next nine months, meaning from this point on up until the next nine months. Going into 2024. Could be fucking next week for all we know. We don't know. It's... Whenever in the next nine months, could be in May, could be in July, could be in August, it could be right before Forbidden Door, it could be right before the Wembley show. We don't know. We don't know. But I would find it hilarious if McIntyre lets his contract run out and then shows up the very next week on AEW television. I know Tony Khan would have a field day with that one. Bandito. Who? Remember Bandito? Yeah, neither do I. Bandito says, and I quote, at some point, I'd like to go to WWE. Uh Uh-oh. That's not really a good look there, Bandito. That's not really a good look, bro. Come on, man. Come on, man. You're going the Miro route. You're going the Miro route, bro. What happened? Lana, CJ, Miro's wife said the same thing. Hey, we're just going to end up in WWE. And where have you seen them since? 
Nowhere. They're on permanent vacation in Bulgaria somewhere. Bandito may never make AEW television ever again. Someday I'd like to go to WWE. Meanwhile, you just signed a deal with AEW. Shouldn't your request be, man, I'd love to have more television time on Dynamite. This guy's employed to AEW saying he would love to go to WWE one day. There's something I know about Tony Khan, man. Tony Khan can be a petty motherfucker. He gets wind of this, which you already know he has because he's everywhere. Bandito will never be seen on AEW television again. The Fight Forever video game, bro. Where is it? I don't know. I can't wait to get my hands on it. But apparently it is not ready for release just yet. And the game is in a good state, but it's not, re- it's not ready for release, according to THQ Nordic's community manager. Now, Dave Meltzer, in a recent Wrestling Observer newsletter, stated that the game was basically ready and just had to sort out the release date and promotional material for said release date. However, THQ Nordic's global senior community manager has now publicly refuted this report on his Twitter account and on a Twitch stream elaborating on where the game is in relation to its release from the perspective of someone who works for the publishing company. And he stated this. For a publisher, the game is not really ready until it is released. It's not finished until it's released, basically. A lot of people are having a massive problem understanding that, which is kind of sad because it kind of creates this thing that everyone now suddenly believes, oh my God, These guys lied. No, they didn't. So hopefully, it'll get sorted out soon. The game is in a good state. As soon as we do launch it, I think people will be happy. Then everyone will forget about all the other stuff, and everyone will be happy and enjoy it. That's what I've been trying to explain to people. Development can already be sorted out and stuff, but that doesn't mean the game is done. There's still QA, There's still all these different things that they have to do. I just don't see how people misunderstand it because that might be because I'm part of the industry. So for me, it's common when people check in with me, hey, is this ready? I'm like, oh, no, it's in the early stages of publishing. Again, I'm part of the industry. So for me, that's normal that I don't expect everything to be instantly done. That is why it annoys me so much when we are now taking our time. All three houses, UX, THQ, Nordic, and AEW, are all taking our time. We want this to be the best we can. We make sure it goes through long QA processes and long submission processes, all these things, and people are like, oh, but we want the game now. Yeah, but we can't have both. You can't have a game that's out right now and then have a good game. There's only one of those things that actually matter, That works, and that matters. I don't know why people are rushing the fucking people making the game. What would you prefer to have happen here? Seriously, I mean, he said it. All these things, people like instantly, I want the game now. You can't have a great-looking game, a great-working game, and then have it now when they're not done with it. You can't have a game that's out right now, out right away, and then have a good game. How many games have you seen? Recent games. That have been released, that have been buggy, that have been unfinished, and you were probably looking... Cyberpunk is a great issue. Cyberpunk is a great example. If you guys ever played Cyberpunk, the game came out and it was critically shit on. 
Now it's in the best state that it's ever been. And now, almost two years since it's come out, now it's the game that should have been released two years ago. Do you want a released game that is buggy, that's not finished, that doesn't look the way it needs to be, and all these problems that you usually see? How many times does a Call of Duty update happen when they release a new expansion pack or a new season and things are broken, the sound sucks, this is glitched, that's glitched, everything's fucked up? Nobody quality controls anything anymore. Why are you rushing these people? When you get a game like this, when you get this game, you're going to get a completed product. That's what matters most to me. I would rather them release it later and it be taken care of completely. But people nowadays, they want everything fucking fed to them immediately and nobody wants to wait. Everybody's impatient. They got the fucking attention span of a TikTok video. It's what they say, right? Take your fucking time. I don't give a shit. When it comes out, I got plenty of shit to play. In the meanwhile, you guys are working on that. And we're going to end with this one, man. We're going to end with this one. Backstage news on WWE. Plans for Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus filled in for Lita on Monday Night Raw where... Lita got attacked by damage, or not by damage control, by by Trish. Everybody thought it was damage control, but it was actually uh, Trish who attacked Lita in her fit of jealousy. And Trish teamed with Becky Lynch. They lost the undisputed Women's Tag Team Championships against Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan on Monday Night Raw. Titles were changed, and Trish turned heel. So Dave Meltzer noted on The Observer that WWE is sticking with its original plans of waiting until SummerSlam for Becky versus Trish. But SummerSlam is happening in August in Detroit. I I don't know why we're waiting all these months to get that match to happen. Now, Meltzer says, yeah, they're going to do the match at SummerSlam, which is interesting that they shot the angle. Brian Alvarez said, well, that's a long way off. It's April. Meltzer said, no, that's why it's interesting to me that they shot the angle so early, although I expected the angle to actually happen at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's been the whole plan since she came back. Stratus came back to set up Stratus and Lynch for feud. I mean, WWE did an angle now on... Uh, on what? What was Monday? April, April what? 9th? 10th? And we got a SummerSlam match booked this far in advance on WWE television? I don't think that's the case at all. So that means we got to see more of Tristratus on TV doing what? Meanwhile, you got other women, a whole other fucking just slew of women on WWE television dying for television time. And you want Trish Stratus to remain on TV April, May, June, and all of July. Four months. So we're going to see Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus feud for four months. I'm already over it. The heel turn sucked. The tag team title match sucked. And you want me to be invested in possibly four months of Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch. Sure thing. I don't believe that at all. Now, what I do believe is WWE loves to make a difference in Saudi Arabia. 
and we're, we're a little bit more closer to the Saudi Arabia show. I don't know what WWE is going to do as far as formulating how they handle the king and queen of the ring tournaments in Saudi Arabia. But I would assume that they either do just the finals at the show and then build the rest of the card around other feuds that are happening on Raw and SmackDown. I would love for them to do the entire tournament in one night, but it's unlikely that that is going to happen. But it's more of a realistic possibility that WWE does Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus in Saudi Arabia than wait till fucking SummerSlam. That doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know why anybody would believe that. So I don't understand. It's either either we're going to get four months of Trish Stratus doing nothing on television or Trish Stratus is going to sit at home and they're going to drop this and then pick it up somewhere in July and build towards August, which doesn't make any sense. Because then at that, at, at that point, the feud's going to have zero momentum at all because you're going to send Trish home to wait and wait and wait and then bring her back when the feud needs a little bit more momentum going into the, into the SummerSlam show. Why would you do that? I don't really get it. I don't really understand it. Saudi Arabia sounds a little bit more likely for Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch. Anyway, that is all I got for you guys on this episode 473, man. I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. We are going to get into the Super Chats in just a little bit. But first, I want to thank my sponsor for tonight's show, my great friends over at Z-Biot. It's Night of Champions, JD. What are you talking about? The fuck are you talking about? Night of Champions? What? King of the Ring is not happening now? Where is this? Wow! Legitimately just showed up on my feed. I'm sorry. Wow, is Vince back? Is Vince McMahon back now or what? King of the Ring canceled. WWE has announced that the September premium live event in Saudi Arabia. Oh, no. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, 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 what happened? WWE announced that the September premium live event in Saudi Arabia will be Night of Champions. The Night of Champions name appears to be replacing the King and Queen of the Ring event that was previously announced. The PLE calendar looks like this now. May 6th in Puerto Rico, Backlash. Night of Champions, May 27th in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Money in the Bank, July 1st in London, England at the O2 Arena. And SummerSlam, August 5th in Detroit. Boy, is Vince McMahon back now or what, man? There's going to be no tournaments in my company, pal! Man, if, if you need any, if you, if you, it legitimately just happened. It legitimately just happened. But why are they why are they saying September though? What does this mean? The report on wrestlingnews.co says WWE announced that the September premium live event in Saudi Arabia will be Night of Champions. But then it says in the same report, no, WWE tweeted. They fucked up. WWE legitimately tweeted May 27th premium live event. Night of Champions. Unbelievable. 
Vince McMahon just canceled the King of the Ring. Plans change. There's going to be no tournaments in my WWE, pal. Oh, my goodness. That was a uh, a typo from WrestlingNews.co. Yep. Yep. Vince McMahon's back. Vince McMahon just canceled Night of Champions. So there you go. There you go. Becky versus Trish at Night of Champions. Definitely going to be a thing. Anyway, um... I want to thank you guys for uh, joining me on the podcast tonight. Uh, once again, sponsored by my great friends over at Z-Biotics. Uh, this is a word from Z-Biotics. We'll get into the Super Chats and then get the hell out of here on this episode 473 right here on Off the Script. Guys, you know me very, very well. I love my nights out and I love my adult cold beverages. But let's be real. Every time we go out and we have a few too many We don't bounce back the same way that we used to when we were younger. It's either have a great night out or have a great next day without all the headache. That is until I found Z-Biotics, today's sponsor, right here on Off The Script. Drinking alcohol produces a toxin called acetaldehyde. It's this toxin, not just dehydration, that causes the worst morning after effects of drinking. Using genetic engineering, we built a probiotic that breaks down acetaldehyde. We started with a natural probiotic bacteria found in a Japanese superfood called natto. Then we altered its DNA so that it produces an enzyme that breaks down acetaldehyde. This is similar to what your liver does, but our probiotic does it better. After spending a year building a prototype, we put it into a drink with this hypothesis. Before drinking alcohol, you drink our probiotic, and it works in your gut throughout the day and night, breaking down acetaldehyde and setting you up for a great next morning. Learn more at zbiotics.com. Zbiotics, it's a pre alcohol probiotic, and it's the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. It's very simple, guys. The way it works is when you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not the dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down, and it's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it most. You know, the first time I actually used Z-Biotics was during the holiday season last year, and I knew I was going to be drinking a lot with family and celebrating the Christmas season. So I took a Z-Biotics before we actually went out, and I was actually surprised at how it worked the next day. I had the gym the next day. I had to get up and go to the gym, and I'm like, I don't want to miss my gym session. I don't want to call Genius up and tell him, listen, bro, I can't come in. I had a few too many. But I took a Z-Biotics, I drank responsibly, I woke up the next morning, and I was ready to go for the gym no matter what I drank the night before. So it does work, and I am a testament to that. And normally when I go out and I do my thing and I know it's going to be a long night, I always pack at least one Z-Biotics with me to get the job done. I want you guys to give Z-Biotics a try, man. Go give it a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com slash and get 15% off your first order when you use scripts at checkout. Zbiotics is also backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. 
So if you are unsatisfied for any reason whatsoever, they will refund you your money. No questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash script and use code script at checkout for 15% off. And I want to thank Zbiotics for sponsoring this podcast right here on Off the Script. Thank you guys very much for supporting the podcast right here on episode 473, man. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Continue to hit that thumbs up, man. We are 70 likes away from 1,000. And go and check out all the other videos on the channel. Plenty of it for you to get consumed in right here on Off the Scripts. Michelle Moran with three $2 Super Chats. Vince not involved in the draft. Bullshit. Punk coming back is great. Love to see him versus Brian. And will the bloodline be drafted as a group? Yes. The bloodline's going nowhere. Main event, 81 with a five-month membership in the OTS venue. My job is like WWE because my boss acts like Vince. Call her Sam McMahon with voice effect. Thanks. Teach me, Tribal Chief. I'm sorry that you work with somebody that is reminiscent of Vince McMahon, bro. Chris Malinowski. Malinowski. 999. No message. Thank you, Chris. That was his first super chat, bro. What happened? He deleted your message. I appreciate you regardless, man. Hopefully, that's not the first time we see you in here. Paul David of the five. Rays are at 13 and 0. I don't believe it. I don't believe that they're 13 and 0. Uh, we got a 499 super chat from someone by the name of me. JD, always the best of the best. OTS family, always the greatest. Been watching for many years. You always are my favorite. Thank you always for everything. Thank you, brother. It means a lot to me, man. John Lamey with a $5 super chat. OTS number one, OTS for life. Thank you, John. Lord J. Coyle with 18 months. Halfway to getting the JD title. Love your streams. Not always able to watch them live because of time zones, but I always watch. Hope to see you again in August. Thank you, uh, Jay. I appreciate you, brother. Desi DTV with seven months. How's it going, Jay? Do you love the new setup you got, bro? Your channel continues to grow into perfection. Keep grinding. The IWC GOAT is the best. Thank you, Desi. Appreciate you, man. Always evolving. Always. Otis, 16 months. Thanks, JD, for the work that you do. Been here a long time, and I ain't going nowhere. OTS for life. Hashtag OTS bloodline. Thank you, my guy, Otis. Desi D with another 499. Punk versus anybody on the roster is easily a five-star match. Can't wait to see him in the ring with Omega Starks, Hook, and Guevara. Omega Khan with a $10 super chat. My Lord, JD is speaking the AW gospel. Preach, amen. Tabernacle. For the love of wrestling, amen. JD's made me go to Priceline for tickets to London. Appreciate you, Omega Khan. I may be there, bro. If all goes the way I want, I may be there. Uh, Lord J. Coyle with a $5 super chat. King and Queen of the Ring is now officially Knight of Champions. I just saw, man. I don't believe it. 
I don't believe it. K-Splash with a $7.99 Super Chat. The locker room was happy to let Hardy back in after risking people's lives on the road, but not Punk for saying a few words and getting into a scuffle. I mean, when you put it that way... Yeah. D-Man, 199. Vince McMahon's product is trash. 50-50 booking. Shaking my head, man. Vince sucks. Vince needs to get the fuck out. Jacob smiling with eight months. Thank you, Jacob. Hope all is well, J.D. Enjoy listening to the podcast every week. Thank you for all that you do. Jacob, thank you so much, brother. Uh, The Cake with 21 months. I can't wait to finish my story and get that golden microphone. I can't wait for Punk to come back. I'm happy to be here. Can I get a strawberry cream ale? I don't know if we have that in the venue, bro. I have to look. This is a cocktail establishment, bro. Not uh, not a beer establishment. That's upstairs. I got to look. I don't think Jesse ordered that, man, this month. I don't think Jesse's even taking inventory. Too busy getting ready. He's too busy getting ready for his Ring of Honor stream. Tay Tay, the savior of the 499. JD, did you see that WWE changed King and Queen of the Ring to Knight of Champions? Yes, I did. D Man. 199. It says, JD, our Braves swept the Reds. Sucks to be sap. Fuck the Reds. What can I say? Nemesis with three months. The current situation with Cody worries me. Vince is going to ruin this whole thing, which is why I don't see him winning the title, at least this year. Your concerns are plausible, bro. Sean Ray J with an I-99. The day Cena came back for the promo with Theory was the same day he passed the torch to Cody. The same day Vince was in Gorilla. If only we knew this was the road where we were going down. You know, now that you make sense of that, bro, now it all makes sense, yes? Absolutely. Tommy Brannigan with a $5 Super Chat. The Saudi show is now going to be Night of Champions, J.D. Maybe I should look at the chat a little earlier on. The Chief Executive Officer with a $5 Super Chat times two. Hey, J.D., personally, I would love to see Drew Galloway in AEW. In my opinion, TK needs Bandito to be at All In because he was a part of All In 1. We will see, man. I think TK's got uh, bigger plans for All In in London than Bandito. Uh, High Life with a new membership. Thank you, brother. What the fuck are you drinking tonight, High Life? Hiru with a $5 super chat. I can get behind Roxanne Perez versus Trish or Tiffany Stratton versus Trish, but Becky versus Trish, hard pass. Bro, I'm not I'm not high on Trish at all, man. I don't think Trish should be on TV, period. Campaign Poppy with a 499. Night of Champs. Don't you have to be a champion to be on the card? So still Becky versus Trish? I don't know, man. I mean, there could be, you know, it's just a name, you know, it's just the name of a show. I don't think WWE is going to take the name literally where every match is going to be a fucking championship match, honestly. Also, with the 199 campaign poppy, we got Clash of Champions and Night of Champions. I don't think so. Night of Champions is just one show. I don't know why they would do Clash of Champions and then Night of Champions. It doesn't make any sense. Cody Snyder with a $5 Super Chat. Don't give a shit who dislikes it. I'm ready for punk. Haters will stay uh, sensitive, I guess. Best in the world, OTS. 
Thank you, Cody. I'm looking forward to Punk, man. Pabman with a 499. Damn, does Vince have beef, beef with tournaments? Yes, he does. He can't stand them. I rewatched the Cruiserweight Classic, and it's so sad to know we're never going to get anything like that again. Never. Never. Plus, Morrow called that show or that tournament, and you'll never hear that man in WWE again. Campaign Poppy with a five. New to the tune-ins. About three weeks now. Keep OTS going. New favorite podcast. Thank you, Campaign Poppy. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for being here. Honestly. Joey Clemenza with 16 months. What's up, JD? Excellent OTS. Just some baseball talk. The Rays are one win away from setting a record. Longest win streak at the beginning of a season. Well, they're 13-0. It's amazing, man. I I did not. Nobody expected that. Tay-Tay, the savior of the 199. Vince McMahon always hates tournaments, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He can't stand them. And Logan. Logan Koslowski with a uh, $1 super chat. No message. First time super chatter. Logan Koslowski. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you very much. And thank you guys for a great show tonight, man. We're going to get out of here. And I appreciate you for hanging out with me tonight on the podcast. We will have some more uh, late-breaking news, man. You may see some extras during the next couple of days. I may, have to, I may have to gather my thoughts on this Night of Champions uh, dilemma here. If that doesn't tell you Vince McMahon's back, I don't know what will, man, on top of everything else that we already know. What was wrong with King of the Ring? Nothing. Vince hates tournaments. That's what happened. Anyway, guys, um, continue to hit that thumbs up. We need 30 likes. 29, actually. 29, to be exact. 29. 28 likes for 1,000. So make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. Uh, Thank you for the Super Chats tonight. Thank you for the new memberships. Continue to hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Uh, Make sure you guys go check out all of the other content on the channel. We were live for Dynamite last night. Kind of a ho-hum show. Nothing really too crazy there, but uh, it was an entertaining stream nonetheless. Monday Night Raw, we were live on Monday Night Raw for uh, that show from Seattle. And anything else that you might have missed over the Easter weekend, man, everything you need is on the homepage. And go check out my great friends over at Z-Biotics, man. The more you check out and support my sponsors, the more they want to be a part of the OTS family. So if they are OTS family... I want you guys to welcome them as family. Thank you guys for the great support tonight. Next time you see me live will be tomorrow night, SmackDown. SmackDown, and we'll be live for the OTS venue. I appreciate you guys very much. Please come back tomorrow. We'll do our thing as always. And we'll talk what should be hopefully a normal, normal week of SmackDown, man. Thank you guys so much for the support. And I will see you back live tomorrow right here for the SmackDown Post right here on Off the Script. We'll see you guys later.